You're listening to the Radio DePaul Sports Talking Possessed podcast. My name is Gina Scioli, joined by Abbas Dahudwala and Jake Cantu, and special guest Nick Canzanieri. After a 12 and 1 start uh, to the season, DePaul has dropped to 1 and 7 in conference play after this week with the loss against St. John 79 66 and the loss against Seton Hall 64 57. Nick Cans, what are your thoughts uh, on this DePaul team right now? And, I mean, 13-8 and eight overall, is it over, or do they still have a chance? Um, ooh, it's looking bleak. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're in the hospital bed right now. You know, there's, uh, there's slim chances to, to save this season. I mean, let's be honest. Two... Well, St. John's, they were tied, uh, you know, 0-0, like me and, J- me and Jake were saying, start the second half, and you blow it. Seton Hall, you're up by, I think it was one, but you had a, a you, you came back in the second half, and, and you had a pretty good-sized lead, and you blow it. You keep blowing leads. You, you keep just, you know, dropping the ball in the second half. It's collapsing. It's it's frustrating, and they can't finish. Yeah, can't in that St. John's game that we called. Um, here's a stat right here. There were two of their last 17. That's that's alone, two of the last 17. Yeah, a very similar story against Seton Hall, like Ken said. I mean, uh, look, they were, it was 41-32 with 15 minutes left against Seton Hall. And then after that, Seton Hall just went on a tear. DePaul kept turning it over, too. Yeah, and I mean, the, the biggest thing, too, to look at, is, uh, we talked about it, um, three-point shooting, been terrible. Oh. They've... And letting up three point, the the chances they're giving other teams, you know, they got punished before uh, going against St. John's uh, against Crane and giving up those opportunities, and uh, St. John's definitely took advantage of that, especially having someone like Figaro who can knock them down. You know, DePaul were giving up those great looks, and they and yeah. that haunts them. That that adds up. No matter, even if they they St. John's attempted thirty two threes, they made thirteen. That's just enough for to, to put away the game alone. How how many? Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, how many open threes, Jake? Did we see them give up? Tons. It, it was the whole game. And you can, if you go back to the Creighton game as well. I mean, Mitch Ballack was getting wide open three after wide open three after wide open three, and it's like after a while, I mean, you've got the zone defense going, but you can't play a zone defense against teams that shoot the three yeah, that much. That that's how you. That's how they tell you to beat the zone. You got to shoot them out of the zone, yeah. and it's. Uh, the adjustments ugh. always come too late. The adjustments come after the game's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, DePaul against St. John's only shot 16% from 3.425. And then it's kind of the same story against Seen Hall. Uh, a little bit better shooting 27%, but still only four, four threes made. And I think, Gina, you can probably talk about it too. Against Butler, um, the DePaul's only conference win... Uh, they started the game out, they did a great job developing that inside game, and then the three-pointers came. Yeah, they were able to find each other with good looks that they were comfortable with and not trying to force it, which it felt really comfortable. There was a flow. Their defense was amazing. I mean, that game was really promising because you're playing number five in the nation at the time, and they looked so comfortable and confident the entire game, and that just went away immediately after that game. I I can't believe that they beat Butler. Like looking back now, I how? Yeah, it's how, crazy to think about. How did they win that game? I think teams are starting to figure out to the formula to beat DePaul. Obviously getting those wide open threes and we saw against St. St. John's uh definitely had set up plays, especially out of the timeouts to get those three-pointer yeah. open looks. 
Uh, but also shutting down Paul Reed has been a good thing inside for other teams. Uh, just only six points, two of seven uh, against Seen Hall. You shut down um, Paul Reed in the paint. That's it. That's the game plan. And and sometimes you don't even have to shut down Paul Reed because DePaul does it for you by mm-hmm. forgetting about him. I mean, Coleman Lance took sixteen shots and Paul Reed <laughs> took seven. Yeah. I mean, come on. Now this is this is clownery. Why is the best player on the team not taking more shots? And it happened again earlier this year. I mean, if we're going through conference play, if you just look at the games where they had leads, they should be 500, around 500 in conference play right now. I mean, Providence, they had it won. The first oh, yeah. Seton Hall Seton game, they Hall, played yeah, really Seton well. They, they probably should have won that game, too. I think there are three games where they just got beat badly, both St. John's games and Creighton. The other yeah. games, they were in it till the yeah. end. It's just free throws, turnovers, they forget how to shoot, they stop giving it to Paul Reed. It's just this influx of different issues that they seem to have and, and every single time. And now we get to the point now, I feel like we're getting to the point. Now DePaul seeing record, or seeing their record right now, you know, do we start looking at the players and the execution, or do we start looking to the coaches and in that sense for DePaul? Because they did start out good, you know. There is a good team within mm-hmm. here. You know, they didn't just beat Butler, and I like to think they didn't just beat Butler and Texas Tech for no reason. Uh, and so who do you look at now? Someone has some blame towards it, and I feel like it's a little bit of both uh, just because, you know, your players need to perform, but it, it starts to the point of where do you start to look at. And and specifically on the players, uh, Charlie Moore, look, he's done so much good stuff for this DePaul team, but... There are just times where he's just holding the ball way too much. What, this was his third eight-turnover game of the year? That's really bad. And he's, play, he's really playing bad against St. Against I Hall. mean, credit to him. He, he Against St. John's, he played all game. Uh, against uh, Seton Hall, he's played. Yeah. He, he's, he's playing like he's playing game. And I think he needs a little bit of rest. But I understand the, the point of it is, like, he's the person that helps me with the ball. But I feel like you need to throw in someone, too, to give him some rest. Yeah, and and that's why I think honestly, I I think it's more on coaching. Uh, it is, you know, some of the players, you know, they are doing some things bad, but I think it's coaching. Like mm. after timeouts, it's they they don't run anything. Like on these mm-hmm. sidelines, out of bounds plays, they they're so unorganized. Yeah, and they and they do that same play where they just throw it into like Jalen Butts at like the elbow, and then he just stands there. And, and nothing happens. And then they run like 12 handoffs. Yeah. I, yeah. I was saying the same thing. Not, there's just nothing going on. When I called the game with Cans, it was literally, I feel like I was like just talking about the top of the key in the perimeter because that's all they kept doing. And then occasionally they would they would get the inside look with Paul Reed for a slam or, or Jalen Butts. But it's the same thing. There's no creativity to it. They either have a timeout and they don't use it correctly or they don't call a timeout during a big run for the other team. It's yes. like they just never know what to do with a timeout, whether they're going to use it or not. And if they do use it, they do not use it well. Kans, and you know the game of timeouts is an important game I mean, to master. T- timeouts, I mean, it's it's your greatest tool yeah. in the momentum-killing game. And oh, DePaul is just not good at that game. Well, yeah, like in the uh, the scene hall game. I mean, when when you see that the Pirates they're making a run, you you gotta call a timeout earlier. They I think uh, Lado waited till it was like tied or a one point game or something before he called a timeout. You know what are we doing here? What are we doing here? That's just that's just bad, bad poor coaching. I think. And I guess moving forward, um, just gauging this entire room, is there any level of 
optimism. I mean, look, we, we we've got Marquette at Marquette uh, tomorrow uh, on, on on Saturday, and um, is there any level of optimism in this room? I, you know, honestly, as dour and down as I sound, I still do have a little bit of hope because that Butler win again. Don't know how they did it. But it does show you that any game, you know, they can win. They just got to, you know, figure it out and put it all together. I, but. I feel like, Cans, you had said it earlier, like the, the Paul's in the hospital bed right now. I'm just waiting for that team to come and unplug it uh, and, and <laughs> oh for the season. So, <laughs> I, I Look, I'm still, I know, it's, and that seems more likely than them making a full recovery here. But, I, there, there's a, you know, there's a sliver of hope, you know. The doc's like, hey. We're going to try some things out. Maybe this will work, you know, some new experimental uh, drug or something, some new form of therapy that's happening. So we'll see, you know. They just need a spark, I think. You all, know? all I'm saying, you mentioned a spark. Marquise Jacobs tweeted, I just want a chance with a keep it 100 emoji. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> let him play more. That's Look, that's it. He, here's what I have to say, and, and more, just really quickly about Marquise Jacobs. He's such a talented player with the ball in his hands, but they use him as a spot-up shooter, which yeah, is not like, his game. I, I just – there's just so many, like, little decisions that go on for this team that just are just so, like – I just don't understand them. But I guess if we want one thing that could be good against Marquette, um, this isn't the Marquette team of last year where it's like if you double Marcus Howard for a second, you're going to have one of those Hauser brothers hitting yeah. a three. This year it's a little bit different because I think Colby McEwen is good too, but – they're not at the level they were last year, and I, Marcus Howard is banged up too. Yeah, I don't. Is, I don't even know if he's going to play. Gonna, I, I mean, he got it, hurt against Xavier. Yeah, he was questionable, I believe, last I saw. So, with a uh, face something. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. If he doesn't play, they have no excuse to lose. If he doesn't play yeah. and they lose, then just cancel the season, because there's no business of yeah, like, like you know, Jake is. Jake's doing the hand motion. Pull the plug. Uh, pull the plug if they lose against Marquette without without Marcus Howard. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Yep. Uh, if there's one thing they do do well, it's they they they're pretty good at shutting out the star player for the other team. I think they did a pretty good job on, on Powell, uh, and then they did a great job against uh, against um, against Butler against Kamar Baldwin. Yeah, I mean Miles Powell had 24 points, but you know. Eight free throws, so you know a lot of them were there. The, sh- the shooting was really bad, seven to twenty-one. Yes, Seton Hall, uh, you know they pulled a DePaul at, from the free throw line. They were only forty-eight <laughs> percent. DePaul was fifteen of twenty. So you know you're making free throws, and yet you just find something else. You know it's like that Hawk Harrelson quote: "We find another way, yet another way to lose." So. You know, that, that's the story of DePaul's season so far. If it's not free throws, it's turnovers. If it's not turnovers, it's bad shooting. It, or maybe it's a combination of multiple sometimes. You know, it's a mess. All right. Well, tune in tomorrow, 1 p.m. Central, uh, Marquette DePaul at the Pfizer. It'll be Jake Cantu and myself. And that'll be broadcast live on RadioDePaulSports.com. Now we're going to switch over to the less frustrating, much more promising women's program here at DePaul um, Abbas, what are your thoughts on the women's program thus far? I have nothing but good things to say. I mean, this is the best women's team that I've seen since I've been here. Um, they're so deep. Their starting lineup is just amazing. And uh, 
the good thing, the one thing I like about the starting lineup is it's not like five seniors. It's such a, it's a nice mix, two seniors, a junior, two sophomores. I think it helps to have that type of a mix, um, especially for like future success. Uh, 19 and two, 11th in the coaches poll, 12th, or 11th in the AP poll, 12th in the coaches poll, excuse me. Um, highest they've been since 2010, 2011. Um, right now they're being broadcast or, or predicted as a four seed in the con in the tournament. Uh, right now in the Portland side of it, we want them to switch over to the fourth Fort Wayne side so we can uh, drive over. But um, I don't see um, undefeated in conference play. It's, they haven't really had issues. I think St. John's played them well, and they play Creighton tonight. Creighton also played them well. That game was a was a close one, seventy four seventy one, but. They're in control, 100% in control. You know, I'm excited to call tonight's game, uh, boss, just because, you know, I really, from the drop-off from <laughs> the men's team to here, uh, it's definitely interesting, especially coaching-wise. You know, you see Doug Bruno, how he's coached uh, this team so far. Last season, they did struggle with starting out with threes, um, and especially calling their game a couple weeks ago. We definitely saw that they didn't really pressure that and rely on that as much. They definitely rely on getting the paint and, and attacking the paint first and then letting the shots develop. And we know how well uh, shooter-wise they have on the team, so it's very helpful within their game. Um, and against Crane, you mentioned, um, you know, last time Crane pulled off an upset at McGrath Hills Arena. So they definitely have that in mind <laughs> uh, while playing tonight's game. Um, so hopefully it'll be a good one. And, and, and I know, yeah, you're, you're right. They played them well last time, so it should be an exciting one. Yeah, that 74-71 victory, it was like, it came down to the last minute. Uh, Creighton almost had a chance to get a three off, but Campbell just stole it away. Um, hopefully it's not that close this time at Wintrust. Hopefully DePaul can just get another big win like they've been doing in Big East play. And I and I trust it more. Like I said, like shooting-wise, it's everyone that's contributing. It's just not one person. Like comparing it to the men's team, like it's just a lot of the game revolves around, like I said, getting in the paint with Paul Reed and, and Butts. Uh, and Charlie more driving, but with the women's team, it's it's everyone, and we really focus. I mean, I know Doug Bruno really uh, likes to focus in on uh, defense and how defense leads to those offensive scoring chances, especially off the rush. So you definitely see that in that game, which is very important, especially having someone like Kelly Campbell back there, uh, you know, who defends everything, and then Lexi Held, who was named Biggie's uh, Player of the Week for the first time in her career. So having those type of players and s someone like it's just not one person doing it for the team. It's everyone doing it, and it's an exciting to see because you, you wonder who's going to step up this game. DePaul ball. Kans, what, what else do you want to say? <laughs> what else do you have to say uh, about well, this Well, you know, I got to do the uh, Nova and Georgetown games, and honestly, I was bored because they just they blew them out. It was so – well, the end of the game was boring, you know, because you're just sitting there like, huh. <laughs> Whatever. That's when you have free time and just talk about whatever you want. I guess, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're just, they're so good. You know, every time I feel like I'm talking about this women's team, I always say the same things. But, you know, I don't know what else to say. They're, they're so dominant. They're, they're indescribably good. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing I like about them is everyone on the team can shoot. And I feel like everyone has a green light, you know, from no matter where you are on the court, you know, coach, coach Bruno's like, Hey, 
you know, go for it. Everyone's chucking up threes, and and Sonia Morris career high thirty points against Villanova. I mean, they're just filling it up. They're scoring ninety two points a game. It's it's insane. It's and fun to watch. And again, go to a game if you haven't uh, been to one. You yeah, know, go see them in person because it is far different than watching a men's game. So you know, treat yourself. Coach Bruno definitely has like. A player for each situation. Uh, obviously, he's um, trained these players well enough t- to uh, interact and react to any situation that comes at him. But you know, he, he has Bakelja to get off the bench if he needs, you know, someone to spark up play for the team. And it, it's just so cool to see him put like the pieces together. And also, that leads me to, like chemistry wise, like comparing them to the men's team. I feel like the chemistry between these girls are through the roof, and, and you can definitely see the. Not only they play the game, but they have fun doing it. As with like the men's, when I feel like, you know, the first sign of like turnover or struggle they show, they start to put their heads down. And the women's team always looks up, and they play the game of timeouts so well. And that's coaching essentially with that because y- you know how to come off and change momentum uh, just off a timeout. Yeah, Doug Bruno, the goat, a Hall of Famer. You know, he's been doing this forever. He he's just so good, and he's just. You know, he gets the players to to play the exact way that he envisions them. You know, oh, what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> yeah, the team is, is incredibly selfless. They're dominant in a way that I think is so unique because it's so dynamic and they're, they're able to adjust really, really well. Um, even when it kind of seems like they could struggle, Bruno takes a timeout, they recoup, and then they just end up, Stealing the game away. I mean, they're incredible. And like Han said, if you haven't been, please come. Like, it's you're seeing really, really good basketball. Um, there's always a noticeable kind of tone difference in when we call men's games. There's always like a chance that we're going to lose. And like, people go in kind of, you know, this, this is kind of risky coming in this game. But if you go to a women's game this year, I mean, I don't want to be too cocky, but I think you're almost promised a, a win or at least a more entertaining game. And, like, you know, watching them, like, on the court, you know, they all kind of have, like, you know, the serious look on their face. But I bet inside, I mean, they got to be having the best time of their lives. Mm-hmm. Like, that, the the way they play, it just looks so fun. Like, I wish I could play, like, how they're playing because it's fast pace up and down, in-your-face defense, shooting threes, you know, non-stop it just looks fun mm-hmm. um the men's team you know that doesn't <laughs> look so much that doesn't look fun you know when, when i watch a women's game i'm having fun and that's why they're just so awesome plus um, i think a big difference for me is that with the men's team when reed and butts get shut down the team scrambles and they don't know what to do if campbell or if, like stonewall gets shut down People step up and they are comfortable with that and they know exactly what to do. And I think both of that comes from, you know, both coaching and also just the team having confidence in themselves to take over if need be. Absolutely. Well, you can tune into both those games, uh, Creighton and Providence this weekend. Uh, Creighton at 7 uh, at the Winterest Arena, live on RaiderPaulSports.com. It'll be Jake Cantu and myself. And then on Sunday, Providence at 1 p.m., Gina and myself. Be sure to tune in both those games, and if you're on campus, get out to the Winters Arena. It's a beautiful arena. Oh, and bucket hats. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and they bucket, are hats. Up bucket yeah. hats. Get your bucket hat yeah. at Wintrust on Sunday. Thank you for tuning in to Radio DePaul Sports Talk and Possess. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at RDP Sports for any updates. And be on the lookout every Friday for a new episode on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Again, this has been Radio DePaul Sports Talking Possessed.